Hey guys, we begin to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's kind of a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Can you guys find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcast? We're just so thankful you guys are here and that you guys are with us today. All right, guys, this is it. This is the finale. I cannot believe we're, we're already here. This is part six of Jonathan. Your guys' interaction, man, your comments, your your messages, your DMs, you sharing this has been incredible. Just thank you guys for your conversation and your involvement um, in this podcast. It's, it's just been incredible. So thank you guys for that. Before we get started, real quick, remember for next week, hopefully, if it's not Monday, it's going to be later next week, our new Bible animations coming out. So we are excited. It's going to be on our YouTube page. So make make sure you subscribe on our YouTube when the scriptures become real. And then you'll be able to see our Bible animation page. So that will be for families where they can watch it with their kids together. There'll be interactive questions they can answer together. Um, it's just going to be something for the family, which is great. But it's also going to be for those who are going to want some in-depth Bible study later. So maybe we'll just take you know, seven, eight minutes and just break down one verse together. Maybe we break down a theme. Maybe we break down a character. Whatever the case might be, it's going to be a little more in depth too. So there's going to be something for everybody, but we're excited to have you guys along and make sure you check that out um, starting next week. So we're, we're super excited about that. All right, guys. So we're back in this. We're back in part six of Jonathan. And here's how I want to start this off. As you're getting ready, as you're getting your tablets, as you're driving, as you're getting your Bible and all this stuff ready, here's the question of where we got to start today. Here's the question. Have you ever heard somebody say, how far will you go for somebody that you love? How far will you go for somebody that you love? Now, I don't think that's a bad question, but I think the question should be rephrased. Now, I want you to hear how different this sounds. How far will you go for somebody that you love versus how I think this question should be asked? What are you willing to sacrifice for somebody that you say you love? You see how that even hits different by just saying it? How far or what are you willing to sacrifice for somebody that you say that you love? Now, if you guys don't know me, as again, as we're conversating, as we're getting prepped and ready to go, um, you guys know that I'm a movie guy, right? If you don't know, you know now, right? I'm a movie guy. I like I like movies. So I like the old school Disney stuff, 80s stuff, 90s stuff, great stuff. So one one movie that I feel like was is underrated is Beauty and the Beast. And here's why. Here's why. Because all the movies up to that point, there was always the prince saving the princess, and it was always almost one sacrificing rather than both sacrificing. Not to say that there weren't sacrifices, but the majority of the sacrifices was always one-sided. This one was different. It was different because, number one, the princess actually saved the prince, but what, what made this more realistic was that both parties had to sacrifice something heavy. Now, if you, again, I'm not trying to spoil it for you if you haven't seen it, but here's what it is. So this prince was cursed, um, and as this prince was cursed, he was turned into a beast. The only way that he could turn back was if uh, he fell in love before the last rose petal on this rose fell. 
He's been a beast for years, right? Stay secluded, done his own thing. He's been a beast for years. Bell comes. Now they meet each other. They're in the library together. They're doing all this stuff. They're having fun doing all this. But just like anything, turmoil and trouble happens. So now he has to make a choice. He knows that he cares for her. He knows that. And he also knows what's at stake for him. But he decides, I'm going to let her go. She's not happy with that, but that's his decision. Now, everybody that's in the house with the beast, what are, what's wrong with you? Are you insane? Are you crazy? Why would you let her go? You know what's at stake? You know that last, that last pedal is going to fall, and when it falls, you're done. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? The reason why I'm letting her go is because I love her. That's what he said. So the, the, the moral of that film was love is something that gives me something and gets me out of something. That's what we think love is. Love in that film is love is not about what I can get so I can get out of something and feel better. Love is what can I give and sacrifice. Both of them did that. So here's why I bring that up. What we're going to see today in the finale from 1 Samuel 23, that's where we're going to start. What we're going to see is David and Jonathan's, but specifically Jonathan. Jonathan is going to make the hardest decision he's ever going to have to make in his life. The hardest decision he's ever going to make in his life. Now, here's the beauty of, of seeing this. When you look at Jonathan and David, you really don't understand the sacrifice that he had to make if we just take and pick certain verses. Well, Jonathan was this, he was this, they were friends. That it, like we know the facts, but we don't take the time to know the men and the women in scripture. It makes you understand and sympathize. And my respect level for Jonathan is over the roof now. I mean, there's nothing, it's over the roof. Here's what's interesting. As we dive back into this text together, all of us are here. We're going back to the first century. We're going back to, to Jerusalem together, or we're going back to Israel. But as we dive back into this, 1 Samuel chapter 23, we're going to begin around verse 15. You're going to start to see the mind of Jonathan, but you're also going to start to see his mental struggle that he's fighting. And it's going to be tough to see because Jonathan, we've, we've grown with him, right? He's our friend now. We understand and we've seen the things that he's had to go through. So it doesn't seem fair that a man like Jonathan has to be put in a position like this. But we'll see, we'll see what, what happens here. So let's dive back in here. Verse 15 of 1 Samuel 23. So David saw that Saul come to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Really quick, while we're looking at what's happening here in the forest, understand this. We know this as the reader. They don't know this as Jonathan and David yet. We know as the reader, this is the last time that they're ever going to meet. After this, it's over. We know that. They don't know that. Keep that in mind. Keep that in mind. Verse 16. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose, went to David in the woods, and strengthened his hand in God. He said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. And notice, watch what he says here. And you will be king over Israel. Now, we got to understand, in order to understand the level of sacrifice somebody's making, you have to understand their dream. 
Okay, let me say that again. Before you understand the level of sacrifice that somebody's willing to make for somebody, you got to understand what their dream was. Now, here's what's interesting. Before we finish reading verse 17, this is the first time that we're going to see Jonathan open his open his heart up to somebody else. Because remember, up to this point, remember we looked at how Jonathan and David both feared God, but Jonathan was more stoic because David always ran to him. David was more emotional, right? doesn't mean that he didn't fear God less or more than Jonathan. He just had more emotions. That's it. What? Why this is so special in verse 17, you got to understand the dream before you understand the level of sacrifice. Jonathan never showed any level of vulnerability or any level of emotion towards anybody until David in verse 17. And watch how he reveals his heart to us. He said, number one, you will be king over Israel. Now watch how he just, he throws this in here and it's so easy to miss if you're not looking at this, but watch how he reveals his heart to us and he reveals it to David. Not only will you be king over Israel, but what's my dream? What's, what do I ultimately want? And I will be right next to you. That's his heart pouring out. I want to be right next to you. So before we can understand the level of sacrifice, we got to understand what his dream is. What does he want out of this? I want to be right next to you, man. We can do so many great things together. We can, you'll be king. I'll, I'll serve you. I'll help you. I'll fight with you. I'll fight for you. I'll do all these things. Now, here's my question. Would it have been wrong for, let me rephrase that. Would it have been sin? Would it have been sin for Jonathan in this moment to stay with David? Would it have been sin? Think about that for a second. This wasn't envious. This wasn't malicious. This wasn't bad. This wasn't, so would it have been a sinful thing for him to stay? Think about, look, look what happens at the end. The two of them made a covenant, verse 18. David stayed in the woods, but Jonathan went to his own house. So would it have been sin for Jonathan to stay? No, it wouldn't have. But think about, think about this, and here's another question we got to ask ourselves. If this is what Jonathan wanted, because he just revealed his heart to me and you, didn't he? And to David, he just said it. I want to stay. I want to be right next to you. If that's the case, Jonathan, here's the question we got to ask ourselves, guys. If you want to stay next to David, why would you go back home? How does the end of the text, the verse 18 read? David stayed in the woods, but Jonathan went back home. Why would you go back home? Why would you go home? What was our original question that we asked at the very beginning of this? What are you willing to sacrifice for somebody that you say you love? Here's why I respect Jonathan to such a different level now. Jonathan had the bravery to reveal what he wanted and let David know I want to be next to you. And he still had the strength to do the thing that he didn't want to do. That's what makes us respect Jonathan. Jonathan knew 
My dream is to stay next to you. But what's the result if I do? Jonathan was willing to ask himself the hard questions. What if, what if I do, though? Saul's never going to stop. It could be more difficult. So think about, think about this. We're here on the outside looking in. We see that happening. Now imagine us as we're walking together, reading 1 Samuel 23, imagine that we're walking back home, or at least we're behind Jonathan as he's walking back home from the woods from David in 1 Samuel 23. Imagine his mind. Think about his internal struggle that he's going through. I told David I want to stay next to him, but we both feel, it's not sin for me to stay. We both fear God. If you have two people that fear God together, great things can happen. So why am I, why am I going back? Why, why am I going to Saul? Maybe, maybe I do need to stay with David. Maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing to it. Maybe I'm not having faith right now. You know, maybe I'm not being a man making the right, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not doing what I need to be doing right now. Maybe I should stay. So, so Jonathan kind of turns around a little bit and he starts to walk back towards the woods and then you have another conversation. But if I go, if I stay, this might get worse. This might get worse if I stay. Then you have Jonathan as we're, as we're watching him struggle. We watch him fight this internal fight where he doesn't know if he should stay or should he stay away. Think about that for a second. Let that sit in. Jonathan doesn't know. Do I stay or do I stay away? Goodness, man, that's different stuff. Now, remember, again, we're going to go back to our question. How far and what are you willing to sacrifice for somebody that you say you love? What Jonathan is doing, Jonathan is fighting what he wants and what's best. That's what he's fighting. Now, how many times has Jonathan and David made promises to each other? Probably five to six times we've already seen from the first four or five podcasts already from this point. What do I do? What do I do right now? So think about think about all the things that Jonathan, and this is why, again, this is another side note lesson. But do you see how, guys, that when we talk about love, love is not, man, and I don't know where we get this from. Love is not what somebody's willing to give you. Where have we got that from? Love is not what somebody's willing to give you. Love is what is someone willing to sacrifice? It's a mindset. It has never been a feeling. It's always been a mindset. So Jonathan loved David enough to sacrifice what he wanted to do what's best. To do what's best. It's, it's a different level of friendship. It's, it's, it's a different level. Now, think about what Jonathan has to do. Jonathan can't think about what he wants in this situation. He told us what he wanted, didn't he? He told us, but he can't think about what he told us right now. Jonathan simultaneously is thinking down the line. Now, he doesn't know this is the last time that they're going to meet. We know that. So he's trying to think years down the line. So let's go back and try to re-answer our question. Why would Jonathan go home if staying with David's not sin? 
why would Jonathan go back to Israel and Saul and the trouble that's happening in the nation? Why would he go back rather than stay with David? Here's why. This is this is this blew my mind. Let's go back. Let's go back. So let's go to oh man. Let's go back to 1 Samuel 19. Oh no, uh 18. Let me make sure that's the right one. Yeah, 1 Samuel. No, it is, it is uh it's first chapter 20, chapter 20. 1 Samuel 20. Let's go back here. This is why. So remember how we said that Jonathan, this is the first time that we see himself reveal his heart, 1 Samuel 23. Why did Jonathan go back? Here's what I think Jonathan knew that he kept within himself. I think Jonathan knew if I stay with David, something that's not sin, if I stay with David, think about this, how selfless Jonathan was. If I stay with David, I can't help somebody else that I love. I love David, but I also love my father in this nation. So what? why would I just think about myself and stay with David? Jonathan's willing to play the long game. And here's why. Jonathan knew his father. And up to this point, guys, now remember, in 1 Samuel 25, we looked at this last week, Samuel's dead. The only person that Saul really listened to was Samuel. Saul didn't listen to anybody else. Have you noticed that in these previous podcasts? There's never really been a one-on-one conversation with Saul and somebody else in terms of trying to reason. Right there, there, there's never been that, except for one. First Samuel twenty, and it was with his own son. Now remember, before he threw that javelin, remember the conversation that happened before that. Watch, First Samuel twenty, uh, verse, or remember, or before that and after that. So remember, First Samuel chapter twenty. Let's look at verse. 32. So Saul goes on his outburst. You, you, you son of a, of a perverse woman, you've done this. You'll never get the kingdom. All this stuff will happen to you. But before he throws the javelin, a conversation happens. And who's the only person that can hold a conversation with this man? It's Jonathan. And he knew that. Watch this. Look, look at verse uh, 32. Then Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and said, why should he be killed? What has he done? It's a short conversation, but Saul was so volatile in his fear that to anybody else, he would have already thrown the spear. At least he gave Jonathan a chance to talk. Here's Jonathan, and here's the decision I believe he made. In his own selflessness, Jonathan wanted to help his father, which would eventually, in his mind, help David. But if if Jonathan stays with David and Jonathan does not help his father, nobody gets helped in his mind. So guess what Jonathan has to make? A sacrifice. He has to. 
do you see why we we should respect and give Jonathan his his just due? This is not an easy decision to make. But Jonathan knows his father. And Jonathan, I believe, knows that he's the only one that can try, try to give him counsel. It's, it's a different mindset with what Jonathan is doing. But Jonathan and David made covenants with one another. 1 Samuel 20, 1 Samuel 23. They make covenants with one another. My descendants will be with your descendants forever. I want to be right next to you when all this happens. It's so interesting that now we fast forward. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Actually, chapter 31. Verse 1. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. And the men of Israel fled from the Philistines, and they fell slain on Mount Gilboa. Then the Philistines, verse 2, followed hard after Saul and his sons. And the Philistines, they killed Jonathan, they killed Abinadab, Abinadab, and they killed Malkisha, Malkisha, Saul's sons. And the battle became fierce against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. So here's why this is sad. This is not how this is supposed to end. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. As I have studied Jonathan over the years, I remember my first time reading it. I kind of got mad at this. And it, it was almost like, you expect, man, I knew it. Like, something good just can't happen. Like, why is it that Jonathan, somebody that sacrifices, somebody that does good, somebody that does all these things, why does he have to die? How come Saul couldn't die? How come How come someone else couldn't die? Why, why did Jonathan have to? And I would get so frustrated at that because it's almost like that, again, in, in my infancy spiritually reading that, I would think, man, it's just... I guess that's just the way God wants things. The the good people that sacrifice truly, that that love, that give, that do all these things, it just never ends out well for them. But those who don't even do half of what the others that sacrifice did, why is everything great for them? Maybe that's just maybe that's just like a law, like gravity is a law. Maybe that's just how things are. Maybe there's nothing that can change. Maybe that's just how things are supposed to be. And Jonathan, all he is, is Jonathan is just another example of what this is. I used to think that. I really used to think that. But as we kind of understand our thoughts about Jonathan and understand the promise that he made, what's very interesting, a couple of lessons that we can learn from Jonathan as we've spent so much time with him for the past six weeks I believe Jonathan is written in scripture, not as a tragic story. I believe Jonathan is written in scripture because I think God wants us to see a few things from him. Here's the first one. I think God wants us to see, number one, the value of having somebody in your life that truly fears God. 
Because think about what Jonathan was for David. Jonathan was that person that was stoic. Jonathan was that rock. Jonathan was that that tree planted by the rivers of water, Psalm chapter 1. Jonathan was that person that could always, he was just always there for David. And as he was there, just somebody to run to, somebody to care, somebody that I knew I know I can have my hand strengthening God from that person. I know that. I know I can be there with them. And now all of a sudden, that person is just like this. They're gone. And with that person being gone now, I want you to just think about this for a second. What if Jonathan lived? Now, we we understand that the things that happened in David's life needed to happen, right? David was a man that was going to make his free choices. David was a man that was going to do what he wanted to do, but he was also a man after God's own heart. But I want you to think about this for a minute. What if first Samuel 31 read different? What if instead of Jonathan and his sons died in verse two, what if it said that Jonathan and his sons overtook the Philistines, Jonathan and his sons were victorious. And from that moment, Jonathan was with David. Just think, now we can never know, but these are just thoughts for us to chew on. If Jonathan is with David, does David go with Bathsheba? If Jonathan is with David, does he have somebody to protect him from Absalom? If Jonathan is with David, is he there with David until his dying day? If Jonathan is with David, would they have truly overtaken the Philistines? Think about the possibilities are endless. We'll never know. But I think the Lord wanted us to see in five, six, seven, eight chapters that we've looked at Jonathan and David together. Look at what they did. They did so many great things outside of themselves because they feared God. I think God wanted us to show the value of a true friend that fears God. Here's another thing from Jonathan and David that I think is important. I think another lesson that we learn from Jonathan, and I think all of us can learn from this, I think Jonathan, I think Jonathan shows us what Jesus was going to be. Jesus was a friend to the apostles for about three years. Jesus was close with them. Jesus loved them. Jesus sacrificed for them. Jesus did everything, and Jesus was gone so quick. Jesus was gone so quickly. Jonathan did all those things that Jesus did for the apostles to David, and Jonathan's gone quickly. You know, doesn't it seem like that's how things go? When you meet people in your life that are like Jonathan, it's almost like, I don't know, maybe it's something from the Lord that he wants us to really value those people, but it, it just seems like those those really, 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 really good ones, for some reason, it's like they're here for a time, and then they're gone. And And gone might not necessarily mean death. It might be, but... Gone just might be the Lord maybe wants them somewhere else. Maybe the Lord wants them helping other people, you know. But I think what Jonathan teaches us is 
not taking the love and sacrifices of others for granted. Because you and I are here based on the sacrifices and the love of others. And that's family, and sometimes that's really good brethren too. It's it, you're here because of the sacrifices of others. You've 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 been helped by others. You've been cared for by others. Others have said prayers for you that you have no idea that they've been praying for you. Others have sacrificed for you, and others have dealt with things on your behalf that you'll probably never know about. But just like Jonathan, they don't need anybody to know about it. Honestly, they don't even need you to know about it. As long as the Lord sees it and the Lord understands it, that's okay for them. And I believe that's why Jonathan was written. I think Jonathan was written to show us that. It's almost, and again, we could go into this and you can get into theological debates and what does this mean and what does this not mean? And that's not what, what I'm trying to do with this. I'm just trying to get us to think here. You know how in the book of Hebrews, it, how, how much you see this? Go to, go to Hebrews, um, I believe it's chapter 11. I want, you to, I want you to check this out for yourself. I want you to check this out because this is it's pretty important. I, I want you to at least consider uh, consider this thought. Um, let me make sure this is the right verse. So as you think about this, and, and think about this from um, Jonathan's perspective. You know, just think about this from John, Hebrews 13. I don't know why I said 11. Hebrews 13. And look at verse uh, verse 2. Now, just try to think about this and chew on this in concept. Uh, let's start in verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. It's interesting how it starts off with that, isn't it? And what did Jonathan and David have? True brotherly love. Let it continue. Do not forget to entertain strangers. For by doing some, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels. I'm not getting into everybody has a garden. No, we're not, we're not getting into stuff like that. But I'm just, from Jonathan's perspective, I believe that once Jonathan was gone, I think David truly understood what he had. I think he understood what he had when he was gone. And the same thing happened with Jesus. Isn't it interesting when that person is here? Isn't it interesting that sometimes all of us, we, we mishandle it, we misuse it, we take it for granted, we kind of believe that it's just always going to be like this? You know, I think that I think about that from the disciples perspective. What John says in first John, we saw him, we touched him, we handled him, we were there with him, we heard him. And we did all those things and we still missed him. Think about that for a second. We were with God, man. I, I can't, I'm getting chills right now. We were with God for three years every day. We were with God. And the only thing on our minds, as John is John and Peter, 
and you see these apostles talking in their books as their as as their elders and as their older in these later books we were with god and all we were doing with each other as disciples we were arguing who's better we were we were fighting with each other we hated people <laughs> we we didn't let the children come near christ all these all this time God was with us, Emmanuel, and we missed it. But now that he's gone, we truly understand his sacrifice for us now. We understand his love now. We understand what the point of all this is. The point of all this isn't to follow the law to a T. The point of all this And he showed us this and we missed it. The point of it is to love God and to love our neighbor as ourself. That's the point. And I can imagine older John. I can imagine older Peter. I wish I could see him one more time. I wish I can be around him one more time. I wish I can have breakfast with him one more time around the fire. But when you talk about people like Jonathan that come into your life, those people like Jonathan may be Hebrew chapter 13, verse 2. And maybe, and it seems like this was, this was a part of God's plan to not have Jonathan in David's life forever. But maybe Jonathan needed to be there for David at that specific pinpoint time to help David. Maybe the Jonathan that you knew needed to be there for that specific pinpoint time. Well, Jordan, it didn't end well. Like Jonathan didn't end well, so what's the point of God doing that if stuff doesn't end well? See, we have to get ourselves out of the mindset that if something doesn't end well, it wasn't good. Okay, we got to get ourselves out of that mindset. If something doesn't end well, it doesn't always mean that it wasn't good. So Jonathan and David, did that end well? No, Jonathan was tragically killed. But does it mean that Jonathan and David's brotherhood and friendship was bad? No. Jesus was killed. He was brutally murdered. Just because physically it didn't end well doesn't mean that it didn't end well. Paul said, thanks be to God for it. Why? Because that's the heart of why we do what we do. He is the heart. Guys, as as we look at Jonathan, and as we study this, and as we grow, and as we help each other and learn from things and grow from things and get better and try to help others, Jonathan taught me and teaches me still That if I truly want to show the real love of God, not just the I say I love you, brother or sister love, if I want to show that love of God, I have to be, I have to always have the mindset to sacrifice on. I always have to have it on. And now here's the temptation. What Satan wants us to do 
is he wants us to turn the mind of sacrifice off. So think about this. Remember Matthew 4 when Jesus was tempted of the devil? And remember the temptation where the devil says, you see you see all of this? If you just jump down off of this, the angels are going to carry you. So the way that God wants you to sacrifice for somebody that you love, you don't have to. Just do it the easy way. The angels are going to catch you, right? So if you just jump down, you won't have to make that level of sacrifice that God wants you to make. Jesus said, get thee hence. It is written. Satan tried to get Jesus not to sacrifice and show real love. What Satan wants me and you to do with each other, you don't have to show real love like that. Just do it the easy way. Jonathan shows us real love is sacrifice. And here's the temptation, guys. Sometimes when you have, as you cultivate the mindset of sacrifice, sometimes you're going to see what you sacrifice for others. Others may not be willing to sacrifice that for you. That's just a part of how this goes. Okay? That's just how this goes. There's nothing you can do to stop it. You just can control what you're willing to sacrifice. So don't do it based off of what is somebody else willing to sacrifice. Because then what you're going to do is your love's going to be partial. You have to fight that temptation of, well, I've been doing all this for years. They're not doing anything or they haven't. You can't, you can't even go down that road. You just got to sacrifice. You can't control what someone else is willing. You can, I, I'm willing to do this for you, brother or sister. Why? Because I love you. Well, are you trying to one-up me? No. Are you trying to show? No. Are you trying to be greater? No. Why? Because Jesus did it for me. That's why. I'm not trying to be anything better or whatever more than you are. Even if that's how it's painted. I'm not. I'm not. So, what are you willing to sacrifice? That's what love is. It's sacrifice. So now, let's think about this from this perspective, and then this will be yours. Just imagine. Jesus said in Philippians 2, or, well, Jesus said it, but Paul writes it in Philippians 2. The Spirit says it, but Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So imagine the power of, of what the church is actually supposed to be. If I'm at any point in time willing to make the sacrifice for you and you're willing to make the sacrifice for me. That's what we're actually supposed to be. Now you see how that changes how you walk in your Christian your Christian life now? It changes it. It changes it. So Jonathan, man, Jonathan is, Jonathan is not a tragic story like I thought he was. Jonathan is not another example of those who sacrifice get nothing and those who barely do anything get everything. Those who, those who do all the work get nothing. Those who do a fraction of the work seems like life is just amazing. Jonathan is not that. Jonathan doesn't even prove that. Jonathan is not a tragic story. Jonathan is a story of 
sacrifice of what Jesus was going to do later. Jonathan is a beautiful story. And as we study him and understand him, I really hope that your heart wants to change like his. Really quick before we close this, remember the promise that Jonathan said in 1 Samuel 20? My descendants and your descendants will be together forever. I want you to see this real quick, how, how this ends. This is, this is crazy. Look at uh, 2 Samuel. Look at 2 Samuel real quick. 2 Samuel uh, chapter... Second Samuel chapter nine. Now read this for yourself. Read Second Samuel one through nine to get the full context. But chapter four, we meet Jonathan's son. Jonathan's son's name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. He couldn't walk. So he, he had a disability. And so notice what David does in Second Samuel chapter nine. Verse, uh, verse four. So the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel and Lodibar. Then king, then king David sent and brought him out of the house of Maker, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and he prostrated himself. Then David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered and says, here is your servant. And he said, do not fear. That's, that's gross. What did Jonathan always tell David? Don't fear. What's Jonathan? What's David telling Jonathan's son? Come on now. <laughs> Don't fear. Where did, where did David learn that from? I learned some great things from your dad. <laughs> I learned some great things from your dad. Guess what he told me? Don't fear. Do not fear. For I, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you, Mephibosheth, you will eat bread at my table continually. That phrase right there, that's what a Jonathan says. My table is open, and you will eat bread at my table continually. Watch verse 10. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you will break in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, will always eat at my table. Hmm. Now as we close this, think about what David says now. Watch how this changes Psalm 23. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cut runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me for how long? All the days of my life. Here's why this is so powerful. Jonathan influenced Psalm 23. It was him. It was him. Why? Because David learned, don't fear. 
and I will always have a seat at the Lord's table. Jonathan taught David that. This is not a tragic story. Without Jonathan, we don't have a lot. So if you have a Jonathan or had a Jonathan, appreciate that. Appreciate that. And as we close, if you are a Jonathan, those who don't want credit, those who do things without people knowing it, those that don't need certain things, you know who you are out there. If you're a Jonathan, just know that I see you. I see you, number one. And everything that you have done in the past is not in vain. And everything that you're doing now is not in vain either. So I want to encourage you, man or woman, who's being a Jonathan or who has been Jonathan to people, don't stop. I don't care if nothing's been given to you. I don't care if you suffer for it. I don't care if you've been by yourself for it. It doesn't matter. Keep being a Jonathan. Don't stop because you have no idea how what you're doing or what you have done will affect things for God in the future. Don't stop. We need Jonathans. You see why I said the finale is going to be crazy? This is beautiful. Thank you guys, man, so much for being here for um, learning with us, for growing with us. Again, if you haven't listened to the full series, it's out now. Part six will be out today. This has just been an incredible study, man. Jonathan is Jonathan is that guy, right? Jonathan is somebody for me to look up to, and hopefully you want to look up to him too. So love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Lord willing, we will see you guys next week. And also with a whiteboard session, uh, that'll be there next week on YouTube too. So leave a comment under the video here. Leave a comment anywhere. Send a message. You won't be the first, right? Send a message. Let us know how we can help you and journey with you. And we love you guys, man, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.